Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. On today's episode, we're talking with Kyle Eidelman. Kyle is a pastor at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. He's the best-selling author of six books, including one of my dad's favorite books, Not a Fan. Uh, Great book. Make sure you check that out. And his latest project we're chatting about today, Don't Give Up. It's Louisville. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) How do you say it? Louisville. 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 Yeah. That's hard to say. For those listening, it's Louisville, Louisville, or Louisville. Mm-hmm. And if you're from the area, we all know it's Louisville. It's Louisville. Yeah. yeah. Guys, what a great conversation with Kyle. It was I so mean, good. What he shares and what he impacts in this brand new book that he's written, Don't Give Up, is literally going to give you the tips that you need to live your life on purpose. What we need is someone who says, you know, this isn't the time to step back. You need to step in. You know, this isn't the time to feel sorry for yourself. This is a time to cling to your faith and to believe that God is doing something that you can't see. You know, one of the things Kyle talks about is the fun and joy of starting something. Boy, is that me. I love to start something. <laughs> but uh, but the hard work, right? The, the victory comes when you don't give up. Yeah. You finish and you come out on the other side. And yeah. he talks about the importance of that in this book, Don't Give Up. Yeah, it was really encouraging. I think you're totally right. Anybody can start something. It's fun, it's exciting to start something, but it's harder to keep going when it gets difficult. So we love this episode. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Let's jump in. Well, Kyle, welcome to the show. We're so glad you're here with us today. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, before we dive into this brand new book that you've written, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you, uh, family, all that good stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in Missouri and uh, I met my wife on the first day of seminary and uh, knew I had to act quickly. We're classmen. We're going to sweep in. So um, we started dating and got married a year later. And uh, so we have four kids. Uh, I used to say I have three teenage girls, so pray for me. But one's 20 now, so she's out of that season of life. She's about ready to get married. And then I have uh, a son who's 14. Uh, We were church planters in Los Angeles and then moved to Kentucky in 2002, where I've been a teaching pastor. And then this year, I'll transition to be a senior pastor at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville. Oh, that's awesome. Wow, that's cool. Where in Los Angeles? Uh, Santa Clarita Valley. It's like North yeah. LA County. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We absolutely know. We lived out in California for a little bit. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. So uh, before we jump into this book, Never Give Up, um, just tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you end up becoming a pastor, a little bit of your faith journey? Yeah, so my dad was a seminary president, and the last thing I wanted to do was become a pastor. Seems like a lot of pastors say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's like part of God's conspiracy sense yeah. of humor. And when I was 18, I I wanted to make a little money. And so there's this church of uh, about 30 people. It was called Christ Church of Perseverance that was right down the road from uh, where I lived. And they needed somebody to, to preach on a weekend. They said they'd give me gas money and 50 bucks. I'm like, well, I love Jesus. I'm <laughs> 50 bucks. Absolutely. So and then the next weekend I did it, and then the next weekend, and then I walked out one day into the lobby, and it 
had my name as the pastor of the church. And so I, I say that God kind of tricked me into this whole thing. Like, I, I don't ever remember agreeing to it. It just kind of happened. And um, and then I wanted to preach, uh, tried to find a church that would let me preach, when, but I was really young and decided to plant a church just so I could have a church to preach at more than anything. And so we, we moved to California and um, had a great adventure doing that. And then um, this church I'm, I'm at has been, been a great, great place to serve. And it's allowed me to write quite a lot, which is nice. I've, I've enjoyed being able to kind of find that balance of, of pastoring and preaching, but also having some space to, to write. So it's been, it's been good. That's awesome. All right. So we're going to dive into this new book, this new project that you've written. Is this your fourth or fifth? Um, this is my, this is my sixth. Sixth. Book. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sixth. No, book. All right. I can't um, remember. Yeah. <laughs> was not a fan the first one? Not a fan was the first one. That was the first one. The reason I know that is my dad was probably the biggest fan of that book. Really? Yeah. That's- I know. I don't know if that was your target demographic, but I mean, he's what, 60, he's 63. Yeah. He bought a copy for every man in his church. I mean, he just. I would like that. I would yeah, like that. You would. You would. He was a great fan of it. And so he gave me one as well. But so this is your sixth book, Don't Give Up. So tell us about the book, why you wrote it, and what you're hoping people take away from it. You know, every time I uh, write a book, I really try to do it out of the overflow of what I see God doing in, in our church. And, you know, I love having kind of a front row seat to see how the Holy Spirit is working in people's lives. And sometimes, you know, you'll preach a sermon and you think, oh, this is going to really connect and, and be impactful. And maybe it's not that much. And, and other times there's a sermon or a series or a passage that you, know, you find that God uses in dramatic ways unexpectedly. And, um, and my, experience has been that when he uh, connects to, to people here where I preach and pastor, that there are other people who need to hear that as well. And so I typically will write something that is pretty connected to my you know, experience with watching God work. And uh, so this book, Don't Give Up, really came from a, a lot of conversation. So I, I did this thing where I, well, whenever I had talked to someone could be a church or it might be in the grocery store, but uh, I'll write down on my phone just, you know, their name and just a few little details so I can remember to pray for them. And then uh, at the end of 2017, I sat in my driveway and I pulled up this document that just had hundreds of these uh, stories of just, you know, a name and a couple of sentences and kind of what I told them. And as I sat and read through these, I noticed a thread that probably should have been pretty obvious, but I'd not picked up on. And that is almost every situation, the message, underlying message that the person needed was a, was a don't give up message. It was a take courage message. It was, you know, keep the faith message. And, you know, uh, one of the stories was a, a child that was losing a battle to cancer. Another story is a couple that's been married, you know, just a few years, but they're ready to call it quits. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a, joblessness story. It's, it could be any number of situations, but you know what the message needed to be was don't give up. So the second piece of that that I'd never realized before was that I typically would talk to someone in a situation like that with uh, uh, the way I talk about it in the book is kind of a Mr. Rogers approach, right? Like kind of a sweater vest, gentle, you know, comforting, you know, let me put my arm around you. Don't give up. It's going to be okay. And what I realized 
you know, after enough of these conversations is that oftentimes people are getting words, what I would call words of comfort from family and friends. Not always, like sometimes that's what they need, but oftentimes they are. What they're not getting necessarily is words of courage. So, you know, it's like uh, the difference between if you get hurt in a game and the coach says, well, hey, go get a drink of water, have a seat on the bench, you know, or the coach saying, hey, get back out there. This isn't the time to sit. And, and oftentimes what we need is someone who says, you know, this isn't the time to step back. You need to step in. You know, this isn't the time to feel sorry for yourself. This is a time to cling to your faith and to believe that God is doing something that you can't see. And so my tone began to change in how I talk to people who are struggling. I kind of shifted from what I call the Mr. Rogers to more of a William Wallace approach, you know, where people want to be challenged and they, they need, you know, the idea of encouragement is to give courage, to speak courage into. That's a different tone. It's a, not necessarily a pat on the shoulder, but it's more of a the image of grabbing somebody by the shoulders and don't give up. That's so good. I love that. So huge. And one of the things you talk about in the book is the idea of listening to the crowd, which is not a piece of advice we get very often. What do you mean by listen to the crowd? Yeah, you know, I think typically if we're listening to the crowd culturally, it's pretty easy to think God wants me to be happy and quitting would make me happy. You know, the cultural crowd would be comfort is what's most important. So whatever makes you comfortable. But in, in Hebrews 12, which is kind of the anchor passage I use for this book, the, the Hebrew writer says, um, since you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and so the, the picture or the metaphor is of running a race and you're surrounded by this crowd of runners who've gone before you and um, have endured and have persevered through incredible persecution and struggle. And since they have run the race that they have run, it's not time for you to stop running. It's your turn now, and you need to you need to be faithful while you're running this race. And so the image is to draw courage and strength from not just God, but from those who have already run. Uh, you know, one one idea or one image that I think is consistent here would be if you know if you ran a I don't know, a, a marathon. I've never done this, so no, it's all <laughs> hypothetical. It's my, my a hypothetical marathon. <laughs> you would probably try to have, I'm guessing, your friend or a family member stationed at places in the race where you would be more likely to uh, be tired or want to stop. And you put them there because the right word from the right person at the right time can make a huge difference. And so I, I think we need to do that for each other. Hebrews talks about that as well, that you know, let us consider how we can spur one another on to good works. But the idea is also that those who have gone before us are watching, and there's also encouragement that we can draw from them. That's good. So good. Love it. All right. Well, as you've unpacked in, in this book and as you've done your study inside the scriptures, what are some of the scriptures that kind of stood out to you that the Bible is talking about grabbing courage, not giving up, and keep moving forward? couple of passages that come to, to mind is, you know, Galatians chapter six, verse nine, you know, says, let us not grow weary in doing good for at the right time. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And one of the reasons I'm drawn to that passage is that phrase at the right time. Mm-hmm. 
because it's really vague. You know, it would be much more helpful if it said, don't grow weary in doing good for at this certain specific time, you will reap your harvest. Mm-hmm. And if we knew when that time would be, <laughs> we could do it, right? It's, it's, we don't know how long it's going to be. And if, you know, if I could tell a couple who is struggling with infertility, hey, look, it's going to be two years, but you be strong for the next two years and God's going to work a, a miracle here. But I don't, I don't know if it's two years. I don't know if it's ever. And so it's being able to say in due time, in God's time, yeah. that we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. And I, I see a lot of people, we talked about it this past weekend in church as it relates to marriage, is right when it's the most difficult, they quit. But if they sat where I sat, they would know that they've never been closer to having some breakthrough. Like right when the hill is at the peak, you're the most tired, but you get over that hill and you're going to be able to catch your breath and find some energy and strength. And so this idea of not growing weary, you're, you're closer than you think you are. The point you're most likely to quit, you've never been closer to finding some victory. So don't give up now. Um, another passage that, that comes to my mind is in Second uh, Corinthians 6, I believe, where, where Paul uses language like this. He says, you know, we are pressed, but we are not crushed. I appreciate the way he talks about perseverance because he doesn't make it sound like, hey, life is good. It, it's easy. You know, mm-hmm. just keep going. You know, but we're pressed, but we're not crushed. And then he says, you know, we're persecuted. It's true. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. And I think that balance for Christians is a, is a really significant balance that, yes, life can be hard and persecution can be real, but you're not crushed and you're not abandoned. And, and on down in, in that passage is where he says, um, you know, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. And I appreciate that because oftentimes, you know, I talk to people who think that faith is God doing what they want them to do, that if you you just have faith that you won't be pressed or you won't be persecuted. That's not faith. Faith is knowing I'm going to be pressed, but I'm not going to be crushed, that I'm, I'm going to be persecuted, but I'm not going to be abandoned. Faith is not everything's going to go my way and I'm going to live happily ever after in this world. Faith is, you know, my hope is not in this world and God is going to give me the strength and grace I need uh, to persevere um, until I reach my heavenly home. That's really good. So good. Well, let's get practical for a second. Um, yeah. I know you had this list of names. You saw recurring themes that were happening inside that list. And I want to talk about what are some of the things that like will often weigh people down, like cause them to give up, and how do they cut those things loose? Yeah, you know, in Hebrews, that's some of the metaphor that's used. The Hebrew writer says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And the, the idea of cutting something loose or throwing something off is the way I would describe it is I oftentimes will talk to someone who is really struggling and they don't realize they're carrying a weight with them everywhere they go. So they're tired. They, you're trying to speak courage into them, but unless they get rid of the weight, they're going to maybe go another day or two and they're going to feel the same way they do now. They, they need to I need to address the weight that is holding them back. And, um, and so a few of the, the weights that I talk about that I've just kind of consistently see, uh, one is a, a weight of anxiety. You know, it's such a, uh, it feels like such an epidemic to me as a pastor. I, I just, yeah. I just see this increasingly, 
you know, compared to what I would have seen, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. And, and so learning, learning how to run without that weight, uh, Peter in first Peter five, seven, you know, he says, uh, cast all your anxiety on, on God because he cares for you. And, you know, for a long time, I didn't like to preach on that verse because it felt simplistic. It felt a little naive, you know, to look across the table from somebody who's just overwhelmed with anxiety and to say, hey, here's what you do. You just cast it all on God because he cares for you. That, uh, you know, it would just feel too simple to me. And then one day I I started thinking about if, if we really believed the last part that God cares for us. And that's not really simplistic at all. I mean, it's it's beautiful that if God really does care for us, then this is what makes sense. Um, the other thing that really helped me with this is you know, this idea of cast all your anxiety on God. The word cast is this idea of transferring weight over, which was helpful for me. That's you know sometimes I guess it feels like the world's counsel about anxiety is you know just let it go, just let it go. But that that's not how people feel. If they let it go, it's going to feel like it crushes them. And, and and that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to transfer the weight to God. It's it's that idea of, of saying to God, I, I can't carry this. I need your help. So for, for me, as a pastor, I had to confront the fact that the anxiety that I felt came from a determination to, to do things on my own, you know, a struggle, which is not uncommon to man, of not wanting to ask for help when I needed it of doubling down. If I felt weak, I didn't cast that anxiety on God. I didn't ask others for help. Instead, I just, I pretended to be even stronger than I really was. And, uh, you know, just the great freedom of learning to cast that weight on God. So here's uh, an example. When my son was like four years old, we were traveling and uh, the whole family was in the car and we stopped at a hotel and in the middle of the night, everybody was asleep when I pulled into the parking lot. And my wife and daughters, they got out of the car and they were heading up to the hotel and I was going to grab the bags. And my, my four-year-old boy was kind of at this age where he wanted to show us how strong he was. And and so he, he was half asleep, but he came around to the back of the car and, and he wanted to carry his bag. And so I, I handed him his bag and he put it on his shoulder and he started to walk. And, you know, I was just pulling him down to the ground. He stopped in the middle of the parking lot and I'd already past him and I turned around and came back to him and I said, Hey, hey buddy, you want me to uh, carry your bag for you? And he nodded yes. And so I grabbed his bag and you know, it's no big deal, right? It's a few few pounds. It wasn't very heavy for me. And so I started walking towards the hotel and I realized he wasn't with me. Like he's still standing in the middle of the parking lot. Like just and I went back to him and I said, Hey, you you know, can you want me to carry you too? And he's like shook his head yes. And you know, as I was carrying his bag and carrying him, you know, I just had a moment where I recognized that this is the posture that I really needed to have as a follower of Jesus, that I was so determined to carry kind of my own weight and to kind of show my own strength. But God was happy to carry my weight and he's happy to carry me. Um, But I needed to humble myself and I needed to say, God, I need help. And I started to recognize how rarely I said those words like, um, I need help. (laughs) I just didn't say it very often. And, um, and so it went from becoming, you know, one of my least frequent prayers to becoming my most frequent prayer. And it's, it's made a a big difference. The other thing I might add is I pray with a lot of people about their anxieties and struggles. And I've just learned that we have this tendency to pray sometimes in a way that makes us more anxious. Like we start praying and we're telling God all about our problems and challenges and struggles, but we never shift 
We never start telling our struggles and our anxiety about God. And if you study in the Psalms, I mean, this is really clear. Like David will consistently begin a Psalm by saying, God, here's my problems. But there's always a shift. He, then he starts saying to his problems, here's my God. And he, mm. he starts telling his problems about God. And I think learning to pray that way, yeah. where, yes, I want to tell God what I'm dealing with, but I want to tell what I'm dealing with about God. Uh, that gives us that gives us strength, helps us uh, persevere. Absolutely. That's such great advice. So, okay, say there's somebody listening and they are just really discouraged and they're ready to give up, whether that's in a marriage or just discouraged in life in general, whatever they're going through. What's one piece of advice you would give to them to encourage them to grab some courage and keep going? So, you know, Hebrews says to fix your eyes on Jesus. And I mean, I know that just sounds like something a pastor would say, but it's it's so real. It's so true that if, if we will intentionally fix our eyes on him and focus on him and what he endured and how much he loves us. And, and if he did this great thing for us, and won't he also take care of these other things? It really changes the game. The other thing that I would say is, you know, that you have to kind of flip the script in the story you're reading from. I, I talk to people who are, it's like they, they're reading from a script every day that, you know, their spouse is the bad guy and they're the victim. And us oh, every day, that's what they're reading from. It's not fair. He would do this differently than I would do this. If she would change, I wouldn't react this way. And yeah. I know that as long as you keep reading that script, it's going to be really hard for the gospel of grace, for God's strength to find some space. Um, and, and if you can change kind of that narrative in your head, if you can begin to speak some truth to yourself and change the story you're telling yourself, you know, it's like footholds. It just allows you to finally get a little traction. As long as the story you're telling yourself is one of defeat, you know, it's, it's self-focused on what you're going through. As long as you're the victim in your story, I mean, I've talked with people who, as you all have too, have gone through incredible loss and they just refuse to be the victim. I mean, they, they just refuse to see themselves that way. And I'm just, I'm just humbled by that. And I, I, know, I know if you can change the story you tell yourself, it goes a long way. I love the concept of this. I mean, this is at the core of what I believe. I love to challenge and encourage people. Do you almost feel like one of the things, and maybe you talk about this in the book, the best way to kind of get over your fear is to tell somebody else to get up, you know, to be that kind of person who's lending courage. What does that look like? Speak to that a little bit, please. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I actually, you know, so I had someone do this for me, someone that I would have felt sorry for telling me, you know, to stop feeling sorry for myself. I was kind of going through a season of kind of discouragement. And I, I took my family, we went to Haiti for eight weeks. And while I was there, I spent time with a Haitian pastor. His name was, e his name is Idri. And man, he, you know, he's just, uh, every day is a battle and he just doesn't see it that way, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm there because I feel some stress over a mean email that someone sent, <laughs> you know, and, and he's like, seriously, bro, you know, what, really, this, this is your, this is your issue. And, and it's just, you know, so he kind of laughs. I'm, I'm trying to tell him about some of my ministry struggles and he doesn't know any better not to laugh. Right. So he's, he's listening and legitimately thinks I'm joking with him because my struggles are so minuscule compared to his struggles. And so it was immediately humbling, but it showed me 
the the strength that uh, you know that he had and how he kind of called me on it and you know it helped me realize that that is a that's a loving thing to do for people yeah. and it gave me a lot more confidence in that and the more you kind of tell people that the more you believe it for yourself mm. yeah. um, and that, that grew within me that's, that's awesome all right well where can our listeners find you online pick up the book all that good stuff uh, yeah, you know, probably kyleidelman.com is a good place. I've got some testimonies on there and some interviews with people who've kind of modeled this well and have inspired me. So you can check out the book there. I've got some sermons on there too. So um, kyleidelman.com would probably be a good place. All right. Love it. All right. Well, we love to kind of close out the show with three kind of rapid fire questions. Are you okay. ready? <laughs> Do it. All, All right. right. What's well, a book that's impacted your life? What's a habit that's impacted your life, and what advice would you give to the younger you? Um, the book question is always a hard question because I think of what I'm immediately reading. Mm. So I'm, what I'm reading right now is Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, and uh, I've really appreciated her perspective on um, on leadership. I've been reading a lot of leadership books lately, and it's just you know, it's a, it's a fresh perspective. So, uh, the second question was, what's a habit that's changed, changed, changed your life? A habit that's changed my life. Um, marathons. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new habit. It's, I know I can tell you numerous habits that I should have. That would, yeah. Right. It's real. It should I be changing would, your life. I'm right there with you. I act them. You know, I would say, I would say the biggest habit that change, has changed things for me is it's valuing male friendships. Like I've having been married, having four kids, a, a busy job. I undervalued that for a long time. I began making that a priority probably four or five years ago, and it's it's been a huge impact for me. And and maybe that would be my advice too, right? Is uh, just the importance of uh, brotherhood, truth tellers in your life. You know, uh, maybe a book that would I would recommend uh, along that line is a book called Bo's Cafe. Have you guys ever heard of that? No. I have heard of it. Have you? Yeah, actually, oh. somebody told me about it the other day. Oh, nice. It's kind of a men's kind of book. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's kind of a novel, but it captures, you know, it captures the journey, I think, for a lot of men. And uh, so, yeah. That's great. So Love it. Good. Well, Kyle, thank you so much, man, for the yeah. impact you're making, these books you've written, and excited for you to step into this new season. Are you... You ready? I mean, you know. <laughs> you know, I tell people, I, you know, people ask if I'm ready. I'm like, no, not really. But then they say, you know, I've had a few people ask me if I'm confident. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready, but I'm confident. And I think that's. I'm confident <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah, I'm confident in that. But I do think that's the way, you know, to, I, I do think that's the posture, right? Like, if you know that God is with you on the journey, you don't necessarily feel ready, but you can still feel confident. That's sort of how I feel. That's awesome, That's man. That's great. Well, we're cheering you on every step of the way. Thanks so much for sharing your journey today and writing this awesome book. Thanks, you guys. Great to visit with you. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, that is a wrap with Kyle. Gosh, what a great conversation. It was. It was very encouraging. I'm not giving up. Are you giving up? I'm <laughs> not giving up. Heck no. <laughs> Heck no. All right. Well, we're not giving up on you guys. And we just want to say thank you so much. Each and every single week, we show up. We put in the work. You come. Thank you so much for listening. And we always want to hear from you. Take a minute. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Hit us up on our website. Let's live it well. And come find us on social. That is where the party's happening. And we would love to have a conversation with you. Also, you can find all the info for today's episode, all the books and links mentioned in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. 
Tinder.com. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that is a wrap for episode 52. Well, guys, let's close it out like we always do. Remember, you only get one life. Live, Live it well. well.